from Ringler, this is Ringler Radio, a podcast where we keep you current on the latest news from the settlement industry, updates on nationwide litigation, trends in the legal and insurance industries, and everything in between. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. So when it comes to objective settlement solutions, the consultants at Ringler are your go-to experts. Hello, Ringler Radio fans. Welcome back to the industry-leading podcast, Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Matt Ross. Back in December of 2022, the settlement industry took a collective gasp when the IRS issued what's known as a Generic Legal Advice Memorandum, or GLAM for short, about attorney fee structures. Since then, tax experts have been discussing and dissecting the memo on exactly what it means for the structuring of attorney's fees. We wanted to get to the bottom of it, so we invited Matt Meltzer, a tax attorney at the firm Flaster Greenberg, to opine on what this glam actually means for the settlement industry. Let's listen in. Matt Meltzer, welcome to Ringler Radio. So glad you were able to make it. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, Let's get started by this. Uh, Let's talk about your background and who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm a tax attorney at the law firm of Flaster Greenberg. Um, We're based in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is the southern part of New Jersey that just about abuts Philadelphia. Uh, We have offices there. We have offices in Philadelphia and also Conshohocken, which is where I happen to be. My practice focuses on pretty much anything to do with transactional tax. I also do a lot with the tax treatment of litigation settlements. Um, Mm. We advise lawyers on fee structures. We advise plaintiffs on structured settlements. We work with um, groups that do all all sorts of escrow type arrangements that, that involve a litigation settlement. Um, Most recently I've, I've, been very active in advising folks on the glam, which I understand is the topic of today's <laughs> podcast. Exactly. Um, that was quite an interesting and unanticipated development. Um, and that has that has led me very, very fortunately to become even more active in this area, which I've just thoroughly enjoyed. Excellent. So yeah, we were able to meet a couple of weeks ago at the National Structured Settlement Trade Association's annual meeting in La Jolla, California. And you were on a panel and you gave some very interesting insights on this uh, this glam that took place from before. We thought, hey, why not invite the expert on and we can all hear from the horse's mouth? Because we always typically mention, hey, you should reference a tax attorney for some advice. And here you are. For our audience, could you just briefly describe what a glam is? It's basically a memorandum written by somebody in the typically in a division of the IRS or the, the chief counsel's office in response to a request for information from somebody in the field who's doing audits. You have someone who is encountering kind of a, a similar set of facts, maybe unusual, and they request advice from someone in the IRS who has expertise in the area as to what they should do with that, that bit of advice. So the way this particular glam was set up, we can kind of read the tea leaves and surmise here because we don't have the actual facts in front of us. Mm-hmm. Somebody saw you know, probably multiple times a, a deferral arrangement that is similar to a structured, an attorney fee structure, not a structured settlement, but an attorney fee structure where an attorney is deferring recognition of fee income, not pursuant to a structured settlement or, or something, something similar to an assignment company arrangement, but 
pursuant to what, what I'll call a rabbi trust structure, which is where the fee is remitted to a third-party provider that holds the amount in a rabbi trust, and then the, the attorney can borrow against it, and there, there are certain other privileges that are, that are had with respect to the amount that are not available in a traditional attorney fee structure. And the IRS, the author of the of the Glam, kind of took it apart and identified several tax doctrines that she thought the arrangement failed under. And you know, the Glam doesn't have any any teeth except for the interim that it, effect that it had in the industry when it was released a couple of days before Christmas, and everybody rightly at the time, you know, read through this very, very dense 22-page memo and thought, oh my God, this could be the end of attorney fee structures. It's in reference to a pretty niche subject about attorney's fees. Now, for our audience, if you could give us a quick background on what structured attorney's fees, and I shouldn't say attorney fees, I should have said structured attorney's fees, and why uh, the IRS is uh, focusing on this particular topic in this particular memo. So in 1982, the Periodic Protection Act was passed, which essentially allows for assignment companies to take an assignment of a defendant's obligation to pay a settlement to a plaintiff and not pay tax on that amount and essentially space the tax treatment out over the period of years that the assignment company makes the periodic payments to the claimant. That particular treatment only applies when you have a personal injury settlement, but it's a huge incentive to the industry to provide this type of benefit to claimants, which all serves that, I'm going to call it a social good, of making sure that injury victims have access to a reliable stream of payments over a period of time. So enter 1994, the child's case, which everybody cites, you had the attorneys involved in the case who wanted to take advantage of that arrangement as well. And that had never been done. You know, plaintiffs had structured, right, receive your, your settlement over a period of years versus mm-hmm. all at once in the year that the, the settlement is negotiated. Um, and that the IRS challenged that arrangement. And the tax court looked at it and, and basically blessed what we know to be the standard attorney fee structure as, as working if all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted. But since 1994, 1996, people have been doing this, and it's all above board. When you have a court of appeals that says this is fine, you have a fully reviewed tax court opinion that says this is fine. I mean, that's that's a warm blanket you can cuddle up with at night. There have been some variations since then. You you have folks doing what are called non-qualified uh, structures where um, you know, offshore assignment company is used, uh, but the, the IRS has essentially blessed that via private letter ruling. So this is a fairly settled area of law. Okay. Okay. So after we, the gland comes about, it sends kind of a shockwave through the industry and everyone's reading it. What do we draw from this as a settlement industry? And are there other tea leaves we need to look at? I mean, do we have to interpret something in one way when they maybe wrote another? I mean, what, what, what do we draw from this? Yeah. Yes. Yes. To all of those. So the most troubling aspect of the glam, at least when you first read it, is the pot shot that it takes at Childs. So as we said before, Childs is, is the bedrock decision upon which attorney fee structures rest. Mm-hmm. What the glam said at the outset was that the deferral arrangement involving the third party promoter does not fall within Childs. And typically when you have a court 
say that this set of facts does not fall within this case, that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the case. It just means that the case is a square hole, your facts are a triangle, and you can't wedge it in. They're not, they're not the same. It's telegraphing that maybe Childs doesn't rest on such solid ground after all. The rest of the, the glam attacks the, def- the deferral arrangement under a bunch of doctrines that are relevant when you talk about attorney fee structures. So one doctrine was okay. the assignment of income okay. doctrine, which is sort of this seminal foundational tax doctrine that says, essentially, income is taxable to the party who has the power to control it. So you know, give you the, the baseline example, husband and wife. Husband has a has a salary. Um, he enters into a contract with his wife such that she has a claim against half of his salary. And on their income tax returns, he reports half of it and she reports half of it. This is going back to the 1920s and it, it was better for, for taxpayers to do that because of the rate structure that was then in place. Um, okay. the, the, you know, the point of that was so that they together would pay less tax. Court said no. The husband had the power to earn it. If he didn't perform any services, nothing would have been earned. So he's taxable on the whole thing. Well, the IRS used that to say oh, the attorney was taxable on the amount when the settlement agreement was signed. He or she can't just defer it to a third party promoter and say, I'm not paying tax on it now. That kind of confuses the issue because it has long been held that you can agree to defer income before you have your right to it has materialized. Mm -hmm. So in a a fee structure, even under the the deferral arrangement that the IRS was considering, the attorney's always going to get taxed on it. It's just a matter of what period, what taxable year are they going to pay it? Are they going to pay it in the year that the settlement is signed or are they going to pay it over a period of years? So the assignment of income doctrine didn't really apply. Um, that, That gave a tax practitioners, a lot of puzzlement. People were scratching their heads as to why that was brought up. And the IRS, when it when it attacked Childs in the 1990s, didn't even raise that as a legal argument against Childs. I don't know if this was, you know, let's, let's throw everything against the wall and see what sticks, or the, the IRS is trying to recast the assignment of income doctrine. Uh-huh. You're kind of grabbing apples off the tree and saying, look, this kind of looks like an orange. We're going to use this. <laughs> And it doesn't really work. Um, and then there's Section 409A, which really is an issue that the, the third-party promoter deferral folks have to address. You know, the, the, the attorney structure industry can rely on the exception in 409A that if you have a service provider or the, a uh, independent contractor service provider relationship, that um, 409A doesn't come into place. And those who were involved in the drafting of that provision, which was way before my time. Um, have said that that was put in there at, at the insistence of this industry. So it, 409A is not an, an, an issue that, that folks have to worry about with respect to attorney fee structures. And, and also okay. full disclosure, I am not a 409A specialist. There are lots of great lawyers out there who are. Uh, that, that is a whole nother area. You know, I, yeah. I'll, I'll fully volunteer to sing at a Supreme Court Christmas party if I don't have to deal with <laughs> Section 409 but even, even so, a lot of people were puzzled as to why that anal- that that section reference was in the glam as well. Um, but again, not something that that your listeners really have to worry about. Yeah. So, uh, so when it comes all down to it, uh, we have uh, a, a case of fact pattern that went through and started making assertions and arguments 
uh, based upon a rabbi trust, uh, accelerating payments, etc. What bottom line million dollar question? What does this mean for the settlement industry and attorney fees going forward? Crystal ball. I think what it means is that if you are on the side of attorney fee structures that that are, that are traceable to child and bear all the hallmarks of the of the child's type arrangement, and even if it's a non qualified arrangement, I, I think you can sleep easily. If you okay. are doing other deferral arrangements that look more like the arrangement that is portrayed in the glam versus a child's type fee structure, maybe you need to be a little bit worried. You need to to take stock of what you're doing and figure out how comfortable you are with it because you may be rolling the dice. Whenever the IRS does this, something comes out of left field. It's very, it's frightening because you don't know why. And it could be as wrote as there are new people in these departments, you know, the folks who were around when Childs was decided are gone, and the folks who really knew um, Section 130 of the code, which deals with qualified assignments. Um, I'm thinking of a gentleman by the name of Mike Montemuro, who I understand was very active with NASTA. He has retired, and you've got you've got new people coming in, and they may want to look at some of these things. They may want to identify priorities that the, the prior guard didn't really think was important or thought was settled. Um, Of course, they are limited in their ability to do so by existing law. That's the the benefit of living in a a country that has a system of laws and respects precedent. Mm -hmm. It may be that the folks who are coming into into, uh, positions of authority now are just not as familiar with the industry. And once they are, maybe they'll realize there's not there there that they have to go after. Um, So it's it's a moment to pause and reflect, I think. Okay. But in essence of what you're saying, we can essentially sleep well at night if we're offering your core structured settlement type of attorney fee transaction. Yeah, I think so. And certainly there are no assurances in in this field because you never know. No one has a crystal ball. Excellent. Well, Matt, I really appreciate your time of kind of taking to walk through this with us. And uh, I want to give you the opportunity to uh, do a shameless plug of your services and your firm for our audience if they want to connect with you, get more information, or potentially even do business. So could you uh, give that to us, please, so they know how to connect with you? Absolutely. No, they, thank you for the opportunity to do that. So um, I'm at Flaster Greenberg, which is www.flaster, F-L-A-S-T-E-R, Greenberg, G-R-E-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. I'm in our tax group. Um, my senior colleague is David Sheckman, who uh, many folks in, in this field probably know. He was the um, counsel who obtained the non-qualified um, structured settlement ruling from the IRS back in 2008. Um, he and I were very together on these issues. And we, we advise all the players. Um, we advise attorneys who are looking at fee structures. We advise um, plaintiffs who are, are looking to determine the tax treatment of a particular settlement and, and the, the structure options that are available to them. Um, we, we perform those services in a counseling role. We prepare memorandums and opinions that the parties can hold on to in case the arrangement is ever questioned. Um, those documents give give the taxpayer some degree of security that the arrangement that they've established will be respected by the IRS. Um, 
you know, we're, we're just, we're here to help. Um, you know, I've had plenty of short calls with folks who, who have you know, encountered something odd and we work through it together and we stay in touch. Um, coming to the, the NASTA annual conference in May was a, was a real treat because I got to finally meet a lot of the people whose names I've seen on emails and it was just yeah. finally nice to shake their hand in person and, you know, and, and share a cocktail um, but we're, we're here to help. I, I really love this industry. I like the people. I like the work. Uh, it's fun. It's, it's exciting. It's yeah. a nice contrast to the, the transactional world where the, you know, the, the rules and processes are very sort of set and there's not a heck of a lot of room um, to be creative, but in, in a good way, right? In a good way. Nobody's doing anything that's untoward, um, but I love it. It's, it's just a great group of, of people to work with. Excellent. Well, there you have it, folks. Matt Meltzer, uh, tax attorney who has fun working through all of the IRS tax law. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Before we go, if you're a fan of Ringler Radio, be sure to like and subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms and follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook. We'd also like to thank our Ringler Radio sponsors, American General Life Company, Matt Life, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, Prudential, and USAA. For more information about how to work with Matt Meltzer, we have included his contact information in our show notes. For more information about structuring attorney's fees, contact your local Ringler consultant by locating them at www.ringlerassociates.com. Ringler Radio is a production of Ringler Associates. All of the opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not represent any legal, tax, or financial advice from Ringler Associates. For more information about how to work with Ringler, visit www.ringlerassociates.com.